Welcome, welcome back to Anchored and Devoted with your two crazy brothers in Christ. I'm Pastor Joseph, and this is Pastor Jer. Hey, and we are anchored and devoted in Christ. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for that, man. Thank you for all the love and sharing and posting and letting us know what your favorite episode is and all that good stuff. Please continue. We love the love. Um, we hope that you'll let us know what we can do for next season, but we've got a lot planned. Hopefully it'll be fun. And as crazy as this season has been today, we are focused on knowing God. And I'm going to mess with you, Jer, because I know I gave you the topic, but I never spelled the no. So there's the K and O W, the knowing God, and then there's you know the waiting in the no, like okay. the N O, like when God says no, how do you handle that? Yeah. Um, both of those uh, are in relationship to one another, so you can play off of them. Um, <clears throat> but I'll be honest, let's start with the N-O, because that's the harsher thing, and I like the, the bad thing first, just so we can work through it. Um, can you remember a time in your life when God said no, and you didn't get it? Or like, how do you know when God is saying no? <laughs> the the most, the clearest time that God said no to me is when I was, I had lost the sight in my right eye mm-hmm. and I was asking him to restore it. And that's the only time that he's said to me that I heard his voice in my spirit say very clearly, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. It wasn't wait. It wasn't, uh, you know, hold on or silence. It was very clearly, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and, you know, true to his work, he hasn't. I'm still, still blind and losing sight. So, (laughs) um, other times have not been as clear, um, things I've prayed for things that I've worked for that haven't come through. Um, you know, fresh out of seminaries, I was looking for work in counseling. It was just before the, um, the crash of 2008, the Great mm-hmm. Recession started, and I was searching for uh, 10 months, banging on a bunch of doors, trying to land something in counseling and, and gotten nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't understand why. I kept on looking for things wrong with me, but couldn't find any. And um, I never, in that instance, I never heard God clearly say no. It's just every time I knocked, every time it seemed like a door was was probably going to open it either disappeared or was slammed closed um and before i married my wife i was engaged to someone else that clearly became a no <laughs> as evidenced <laughs> by the present in that case you know it was uh i think god speaking through uh through my fiance saying uh, this isn't going any further praise the lord um none of them were all of them were difficult. Yep. All of them were difficult. Yeah. It's, um, um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because, uh, at least for a lot of people I know, the, the expectation is God always has to say yes. Um, that, um, as long as, um, I'm being, and I'm putting up my air quotes, a good person, um, then pretty much unto myself, I can ask for whatever I want 
And I know there's scripture that says, if you ask and it is in line with the will of God, I've been to seminary, <laughs> read my Bible daily. I know the scripture, so I'm not saying that that isn't true. I'm just saying that often we assume the will of God is our will and God has to tell us no. And that N-O is not a negative thing. Um, it hurts um, a lot, <laughs> just as you shared, um, because we often have our own heart connection to what the desire is. And God has to rearrange us or align us to his will so that we can accomplish the work that he has for us. And he's seeing stuff generationally. Um, I know for myself, the no is how, is how I got to get into missions. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated from seminary. Like, you know, we were classmates. Similarly, I was banging on doors for counseling. I had a number of offers for youth pastor and other stuff. And then I prayed the dumb prayer of God, please close the doors that you don't want me to go through. You know, if you haven't heard me say this before, don't pray that one if you don't want the truth from God. Just like I tell people, don't ask for patience because then you have to go through storms to grow in patience, um, not to grow impatient. More humility, <laughs> but, more strength. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> like, just know this is what you're asking for. But I prayed that after graduating from seminary, that God would close all the doors he didn't want me to go through. And sure enough, all I heard was no. <laughs> there was a slab of marble that turned to the yards and said, make me something beautiful, but make it not hurt. <laughs> that was a whole lot of, no, we're not interested. No, it's not available anymore. No, we don't think you have the qualification. What are you talking about? I have whatever. And God wanted me to do something different. Um, and that, that required me to become humbled. And part of that humbling process was hearing the no's. Um, and being able to go back to God often, even with tears on my face and sometimes just laying flat on my face. Um, like, what, what am I missing? And as you yeah. stated, often um, you think it's something wrong with us. Um, I, I don't, you know, I do believe in, uh, uh, in looking at yourself honestly before God and allowing him to examine your heart as David speaks about in Psalms. Um, and I think in our culture, most people don't do it enough. In my life, I do it a lot. <laughs> so I knew it was one of those things where um, there wasn't a sin issue or me determining that this was my will um, because the jobs that I was looking at were, you know, all Christ-centered. It's kind of like yours. They're all helping people, you know, you know, caring for others. So who wouldn't want, you know? You know, so, the thing that was, the thing that was, easiest for me honestly of those three examples i gave was the first one because i heard him so clearly say no mm -hmm. and he was unapologetic about it too it wasn't like i'm sorry no this no not this time pal it's not like the way i tell my kids no and i'm not really sure if i can say yes but i want to say yes and <laughs> like, you know there's a whole thing god's like hard pass not gonna happen and 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 it was so clear there wasn't even a part of me that was like wait what what why it was like oh, okay I can't. that's my answer move on next question <laughs> what's gonna happen in heaven lord <laughs> you know um it was the others where what i wanted was good and he didn't clearly say no he demonstrated no that made me question myself over and over again when he clearly told me no i didn't have to question myself at all he made the decision.
he told me his decision. And that for me was a whole lot easier than when it was left open because what I think is, in my experience, and, and I think in my observation, what I've seen is hardest for people, even for people who don't view God as the, you know, the cosmic vending machine, or as long as I put in my dollar fifty of good works, he's got to spit me out my Skittles. Even for people who view him and view the relationship in a more biblical, more orthodox way of he is God, I'm his creation, he's the potter, I'm the clay, he's the master, I'm the servant, he speaks, he commands, I obey. When we want something that he has defined as good, and he doesn't provide it, that throws us into a place of confusion. Mm -hmm where all of a sudden we have to wrestle through what's wrong with me that you're not giving me what you've already said is good. Well, and that's where the second question comes in. The waiting in the K-N-O-W, the, the actual knowing God, or you know, being able to hear that you need to know me better. Um, and it isn't that you don't know me. It's that there's a lot more that I have for you that you don't understand or you can't see. And it's not that you're asking inappropriately or that your um, desires are in the wrong place. It's just, that's not my will. And that's huge when, as you stated, we don't get a clear definitive no. And there, as you said, there are times when God blesses and he is abundantly clear. Like it's just, you know, you're praying about it and then we start talking and I'm the confirmation. No. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, uh, you, you, can, you can hear God laughing as he says, no, like I already sent you the memo. <laughs> like I didn't even tell Dave that you prayed about this, but he's going to make it clear. You can't do that. <laughs> you, you can't do that. No, he's going to laugh at you and he's going to help you understand he loves you. And no, that's not going to work. Um, and so God can use family members in Christ to help you understand what the next steps are, to, to grow you in wisdom, to challenge you, to help you embrace that N-O from God when it comes to this thing. Know that the knowing, the K-N-O-W of God is one where he sees the next world war. He sees, right. you know... The he sees the end from the beginning. Exactly. And he so, sees the end from the beginning. And as you said, his purpose and his perspective is generational mm -hmm. and it's eternal. Correct. And so that, that knowing of him changes the way we um, interact with our situations because we can't interact with them solely on based on our understanding. And that's the part, at least for me, that hurts because it's, you state, I mean, and I stated, you get attached to it, like whether it's For an sure. idea or a dream, you get attached to it. Um, and you know that it's, um, again, whether it's culturally acceptable, whether it's, you know, socially acceptable, it's one of those things where you've identified with it. So I'll, you know, I'll give an example of waiting in the know. Um, and this is the N-O. Um, you're single and you're looking for a spouse and you, the expectation is that you have to get married 
to be useful to God. Um, you know, that, that's not true. Um, um, but the waiting is one of those things that uh, you feel you have to do this. Like you, you have to get married. Now, you know, good and well, you're fine. You're doing missions trips. You're loving life. And honestly, God's blessed you with the gift of singleness. But yet cultural pressures and social familial pressures are continual. And you know, God has already told you no. Like he's made it abundantly clear. How do we wait when there's these expectations from others that push us to not embrace what God's told us? I was reading in Psalm 119 this morning, and um, I was struck by the several times that David repeats about the people who are accusing him and the people who are setting traps for him and lying about what David is doing, accusing him and lying about his character and his deeds. And David's response to these things is to say, but I have sought your law and I have made your precepts and your statutes my close companions. I have followed you and what you've said, and I've known your words. Because of that, their assault on me doesn't stand up. Mm -hmm. Every time that every time that God does something that we don't understand, we are faced with a decision. The decision is either going to say, I don't understand what you're doing, therefore you're not good. Or we're going to say, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know you're good. And I'm going to press into you further to either stay here until something good does come or until you clarify what you're doing and why you're doing it. And because I, would, I trust you. I would say the but should be an and. I don't know what you're doing and I know you're good. Um, you know, this is from I'm good with that. You know, personal experience. You well, I mean, the reality is sometimes it's not Nan. Sometimes it is a but. Sometimes it's a I'm choosing that I this is not naturally what I want to do. I, I but I'm choosing against my desire here. Yeah, my reason for and is to you know encourage you to look at your track record with him. Um, he woke you up this morning. He's done the heavy work of keeping you through the night. So it's you are good. You, you know, clothe me in my right mind. You are good. For sure. And so I know it's hard and I agree mm. with you that if that's where you are, use the butt. That's fine. I, well, I, I think God wants us to move us from butt to and. That, yeah. That's how we can look and say, is our relationship actually getting closer? Do I trust God more today than I did yesterday? Mm. Yesterday it was but. Today it's and because I'm building on his faithfulness yesterday. And I'm standing on that and using that as credit to stand on for tomorrow. I was talking to a friend recently who is going through a difficult time and wanting to know why God is allowing all the painful and bad things that have happened in this person's life. Mm. Legitimately bad things. Mm. You know, legitimately not of God. Legitimately the kind of things that I as a human father would protect my children from. Mm -hmm. They said to the person, can you see where God has 
protected you through these things? And, and the person responds, no, I really don't. And I said, can you think of how any of those circumstances or all of those things could have been worse? So we, we, have, we have this illusion of objectivity where we look at what's going on and we believe that either we see in the extremes, either this is as good as it can ever be, or this is as bad as it ever will be. Mm. And we don't take into account one very necessary thing, that it's the grace and love of God in our current age from the garden of Eden until Jesus returns to the second coming. It is God's grace that restrains evil and holds back the full weight of the destructiveness of sin. Every trial, every bit of suffering, every time God tells us no, every time we experience that pain, there are at least two things going on. One, God is at work. Two, God's grace is holding back something significantly worse. Possibly many things, all of which are significantly worse. The problem is that we view what we aren't getting as being as bad as it could be. Um, and this is where I look back at Job. Mm-hmm. You know, and Job, he has four or five servants run up to him all in the same day. First one comes up and says, hey, uh, some raiders came, stole all your camels. As he's still speaking, another one runs up and says, some other raiders came and stole all your sheep and donkeys. While he's still speaking. And, and every time it just gets worse until the final one comes up and says, hey, all of your kids were eating and a wind came and blew down the house and all of your kids were inside and died. Every one of these things by itself could have and probably did feel to Job like it was as bad as it could possibly get. Because we don't think, well, I've still got my kids, at least they're still here. Well, I've still got my house, at least it's still here. As he's sitting there on the ground, before Satan has touched his body, he could have been thinking this is as bad as it gets. And then Satan comes and says, all right, how about some boils on top of this? How about we put you in, in physical excruciating pain and torment? It can always be worse than it is right now. You know, I, 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 we've all known people who have had family members suffering with illness. And we've prayed with them for the healing of the family member. And sometimes God has seen fit to say yes to their healing. Sometimes God has seen fit to say no to their healing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is always more difficult when God says no. But it's oftentimes not a part of the thought process that says, but what else has God said yes to? What is he saying yes to in the midst of saying no to this? Because it, it does come back to this knowing God and that knowing that the Old Testament talks about is not just a head knowledge, it's a relational knowledge. It's the same knowing that the Trinity shares within itself, that the Father knows the Son. The Father speaks to the Son and the Son knows his thoughts and knows his words and speaks those words and the Spirit comes from the Father and speaks on behalf of the Father because the Spirit knows the Father. The Father wants us 
to know him in the same way. In fact, that's what Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer in John 17. Father, make them one just as you and I are one. Let them abide in me so that your words will abide in them. It's that closeness of connection and of understanding and knowing an intimate knowledge of a person's heart, of their character, of their desires, of their passions, of their personality. That's what God's after. Mm. And I, you know, I think that's one of the primary things that separates Christianity from any other religion. I'm not aware of any other religions where the God wants we humans to relate to him at such a deep and personal level. But God does because he's our father. You know, I was thinking about, um, do you remember, uh, do you remember back before you could walk when all you could do is crawl? Do you remember no. those days? Yeah, no, no. You don't. <laughs> but presumably, at some point, you turned to Mama Linda and said, pick me up and she turned back to you and said you know no <laughs> i know i've done that with david <laughs> but yeah I, I will be honest he can walk now and i still pick him up every now and then still. yeah of course of <laughs> course but there were there were times where uh, <clears throat> when he was learning to walk and i was trying to help him learn to walk um it wasn't that i loved him less and didn't want to pick them up. I was willing to sacrifice that moment of cuddling uh, for him to be free, which yeah. is hard. And I mean, when God says no, there is a yes to something else. When he said no to Adam and Eve in the garden, he was saying yes to Christ. He was saying yes to, to having a relationship with him um, that was... <clears throat> and is dynamic. Um, but often that no can be so earth-shaking. Mm -hmm. You know, the loss of a loved one when the yes is heaven and the no is to hear mm -hmm. um, is heavy. It is. And this is where um, I want to challenge those that are listening. The K-N-O-W, the knowing of God, um, is important before you walk into the storm. Um, yes, pastors and elders and deacons and leaders can read your scriptures and try and support you and gird you up in the midst of the, the no from God, whatever it is. You know, you're fired from your job or you get kicked out of school because your grades aren't right or you're partying too much. It's a no. <clears throat> there is a yes that is there. And if the relationship isn't one where you know God or you're growing in the process of knowing God, um, then it's, it's going, that no is going to revolve around you. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, when we look at Job, his response was, I know God and I need to get... <laughs> in front of <laughs> like yeah and, um, and what's great about job is job knew god clearly mm -hmm. he knew god he spoke a whole bunch of true things about god but when it comes to god showing up and saying do you really know me 
Job said, I uh, no, no, I'm I'm done. I didn't really know you. I thought I knew you, and what I knew was true. I have I have heard of you with my ears, but now I have seen you with my eyes. I I know you more deeply now, and sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up now. Because <laughs> there was something I didn't know about you before this moment. And this puts everything I've just been through into its proper perspective. Correct. And that's where the K and O W, the knowing is so important. Um because perspective has been lost and um or was never there. You know, for people who um who are raised on a diet of badly built theology, who have built a God who doesn't reflect the God of Scripture in some ways. I've told my wife and several people this. Christians don't change their theology because they do further study and say, oh, I was wrong about this theology. They change their theology nine times out of ten because they run into an experience that doesn't that they can't square with their theology. And so they say, well, clearly I wasn't wrong, so I'm going to throw this whole God thing out. I don't think my dad would mind me sharing the story. He shared it himself several times. Um, when I lost my vision at 11 years old in my, in my right eye, this happened to him. He essentially, you know, he, he was taking my vision to God in prayer for my healing. And when it became clear that my vision was not going to be restored, my God, my, my dad had the, came to this place where he essentially said, I'm a good father and I would do anything I could to save my son's vision. You claim to be a good father. You can do anything, but you didn't. Therefore, conclusion, quite easily demonstrated, you must not be good. And it, it took many years. My dad had been raised in the church. His grandfather had been a pastor. He had been an elder in our church. And yet he came to this point where because of the theology that he had looked at God through, because it was not correct, he didn't know God the way that God really is. It took a long time for God to get through to him, which he actually did through the book of Job, and say, no, you didn't know me. Mm. When, when God, the creator of the world, says, you don't know me, <laughs> you better listen. <clears throat> because his goal is that we will know him. John tells us, as Jesus tells us in the book of John, this is, this is his will that we would know him and that we would know his son whom he has sent. That's what God's after. He's not after making an earth and making heaven. He's after a relationship where we, his children, know him. Mm -hmm. And he's so committed to that that he's already paid everything that needs to be paid and has offered everything that needs to be offered so that now what's left in front of us is a choice. We're either going to say, I'm going to do it my way and we're going to miss out on knowing him. We're going to say, okay, I'll do it your way. Show me what you need me to show me. Show me what I need to see. So how do we, how do we K N O W? Because again, um, we want to make sure that for the new believer, they do know God, um, not 
simply know about him, about him, but actually know him. And I know it starts with Christ. I know it starts with placing your faith in Christ and um, trusting him fully uh, to pay for your sins, past, present, and future through his death on the cross. And uh, he now is interceding on our behalf in heaven. So we can, like, I know that that is uh, the start of the process of knowing Mm -hmm. God. What are the other things, at least, that come to mind that you'd want to share with your kids or others, um, again, new believers, about knowing God? Like, how or what should they be doing? Um, There's, I think, four, maybe five things I'd say. One, you've got to be in his word. You have to be reading his word and letting his word have its perfect work in your heart and in your mind to change your mind. Because the problem here is a problem of thinking. Our thinking is screwed up Mm. and we need his mind. And the only way we get his mind is by letting his mind wash through our mind and filter out all the junk that's in our mind. Two, you've got to be in prayer. Daily, regular, long prayer. Prayer is conversation with your father. Jesus, who was God, rose early in the mornings to go spend hours with his heavenly father. And he came out of that and he said, I only tell you what my father told me. Mm-hmm. He, had, he, he was the word of God incarnate. He knew scripture. He inspired scripture. At 12 years old, he was wowing everyone with his knowledge, with his questions and answers to the learned and aged Pharisees who knew the law forward and backwards, Jesus at 12 knew it so well that he was wowing them. Yet, in his ministry, he knew that apart from abiding in prayer with God, he didn't have anything to give. If Christ knew that for himself, then so much the more for us. Third is uh, relates back to the first. Our, our thinking is our big one of our biggest problems. Our desires and our thinking are probably our two biggest problems. Um, you have to recognize that you are self-referential, which means you you are the author of your own dictionary and thesaurus, and that's a problem. If you're the one who you look to for definitions of happiness, goodness, truth, beauty, love, salvation, safety, protection, you have a fool for an author. God's already given us these things. We find them in the Word. And unless we recognize where we are self-referential and intentionally turn ourselves to say, no, this is me looking into myself to find this truth. We're not going to take the time to say, oh, well, then I, need to, I need to look somewhere else. I need to look outside of myself. Fourth is going to be related to that. You've got to be living in community with other believers because they're going to be one of the primary external mouthpieces that God uses to speak to you about who he is. Fourth, uh, fifth, and finally, you've got to remember that life here on this earth is about your serving you're suffering, and you're spreading the gospel. Mm. That's what God's after. Everything that you want, the happiness, the wholeness, the contentment, the subtleness, that's coming, but that's eternal. That's future. You may have taste of it here on earth, 
But the life that God has called you here is for the purpose of spreading the gospel. It's lived through the praxis of suffering and being made righteous. I don't remember what the third one I said was. I said serving, okay. serving, suffering, and spreading is what I said. Yeah. And serving, serving God and serving the people around you. Laying down yeah. your life to, to put their needs, their lives first. I think the last thing you said is, um, I'd say the second biggest thing after reading the Bible and engaging with it. And I encourage you, you can use resources from Navigator. Um, they have a ton of books of the Bible you can read through. Um, you could read Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. Um, as a resource, you could um, use Tony Evans' book, The Names of God. I know he has another book called U-Turn to help you focus on um, the change that God has made in your life. Mm-hmm. But, but I'd say more than the academic stuff, it's the application in the knowing God. For, for my definition of when God says, know me, there is a relationship that requires drawing close, as you talked about in Job, and then obeying. Like there's this um, safety found in my relationship with God that allows me to obey freely and sacrificially because all resources and knowledge and peace reside with him. So I don't have to understand. I don't have to even feel comfortable with because I know my comfort is found in him. Yeah. Therefore I look very peculiar to others because I am knowing God. And that's where we see it, you know, throughout the Bible, those that took the time to know God were very different. Um, uh, they didn't, um, engage with the world based off of its limitations they lived in the world with the freedom found in christ the disciples that uh, those that followed in the early church uh, were ones that gave freely and sacrificially and it caused the culture to shift because they were genuinely trusting god day by day um knowing god is hard in our culture so i would encourage you to be still be quiet before god um make that time just as you make the time to talk make the time to listen and and know that that listening is something that is not quarantined to 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening that listening should be a throughout the day um prayer where you you know asking the spirit to teach you and asking your heavenly father to guide you um, so that you can do the things that are of eternal value, not the things that are worthless. Yep. Trusting God. If you've ever seen, if you ever seen a, um, a stroller with a child in it rolling away out of control, if you're able to freeze that picture and take a look, you'll see a lot of people with a very harried and panicked look on their face. If you zoom in on the stroller, though, you won't see any worry at all. 
we have the privilege of coming to God as children because our Father has us in His hands. It removes the worry, it removes the responsibility to have to make things turn out the way that we think they should, or even to know what we think should happen, because we know my Father has us. He's strong enough and He's good, and I'm safe. There's a freedom in that that you were just talking about that has been seen in the lives of many, many people who have known God in that way, who know God deeply, and walk in that freedom. So, friend, I encourage you today, um, wherever you are, if you're afraid, if you're struggling because God is saying no, if you are rejoicing because God has said yes, if you're rejoicing because God said no, and you finally understand why, take the opportunity right now to press into him, to thank him that he is there, that he is protecting you, that he's guiding you, that he has your future, and that he will bring you safely home. And then follow what he calls you to do. We love you. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you at uh, anchoredanddevoted at gmail.com. I want to ask each of you a, a personal challenge. Share this podcast today with one person. If you do that, we will, by my multiplication, <laughs> double our listenership. <laughs> I didn't do common core math, but I think that's right. <laughs> Dave, you can correct my math later. So that's it. That's the challenge for today. You share it with one other person. And it can't be me or Dave. We <laughs> uh, seriously, we love you guys. We are, uh, we're, we are really uh, excited that we are coming down the home stretch of our first season. We've really enjoyed this and um, we're excited for what's coming. We're glad that you guys have stuck with us. We hope that this continues to encourage and bless and build you up as you seek God. So with that, have a great day. We love you. God bless.